we're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Grab your Bible. Let's go into the Word of God this Sunday morning. Thank you for your worship. You can remain standing. Remain standing. It's okay. Grab your Bible. Let's honor God's Word this Sunday morning. Grab your Bibles. Uh, turn with me. The, the scriptures on there are for the people that don't have Bibles, for all the new people, for the ones that have been living for God. You should have a Bible, right? Okay. I'm not asking you to police everybody. Don't look around and make somebody feel uncomfortable, right? I know how Mexicanos get. I brought my Bible, Right? Okay. Hey, um, we're baptizing people today in, in the uh, in legacy. We'd love to baptize you if you've never been water baptized. Uh, listen, there's no greater time than now. The day is, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. We're baptizing in legacy. And, you know, God still does miracles. We know that around here, right? God is a miracle worker. Somebody say God's a miracle worker. And we got a great miracle here today. Johnny Figueroa is a miracle. Raise your hand, Johnny. Raise your hand, Johnny. Raise your hand, Johnny. There you go. Look at Johnny. And, and you know what? Today is Johnny's birthday. So he's asking everybody to give him $10. He didn't say no. And uh, stop by and wish him a happy birthday. And I recognize him because Johnny shouldn't be here. Uh, Johnny should, shouldn't be here at all. God did a miracle in his life, and, and he's here. He's here, and we're thankful for that. And we're also thankful for all of you. Uh, God is still working miracles among us, and, and we're very thankful to him. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, I'm going to get this going. I, I know some of you are like, oh, my God, my ribs are almost done. It's all right. Here we go. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And listen, while you're turning there, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, go out to the property on Salem. They just marked out the property. And you can see where it's at. Yellow, yellow, uh, orange ribbons. I'm sorry, not yellow. Orange ribbons. You can see how wide the property is. Now, you can't see the depth of it because the trees are there and it's hard to see. But uh, you can see the width of it and how big it's going to be on Salem Road. For those of you who didn't know where it was, cross over 463, drive down. It's on the right-hand side, and you can see it. Drive by there and pray over it. Pray over it. Say, Lord Jesus, this is where souls are going to be saved and lives are going to be changed. Well, thank you for the one. Thank you. Thank you for the This is where pray out there. So even now, you know what? I'll tell you what. Let me save you the, the, the time and the gas. Stretch out your hands towards heaven. Say, Lord Jesus, bless that property right now. Bless that property right now, Lord. Bless it. Let it be a land, God, a promised land for many people. Let the river flow, Father, from that property. Let it be a church planted by the riverside. We pray that, God, that we would grow fruitful in that place and that, Father, souls will be saved in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do you believe that? I believe that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, 
For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart with many tears. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Not to cause you pain, but to let you know that abundant love that I have for you. Uh, now, if any, anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him that, or, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow, excessively excessive sorrow. And I'll explain this in just a moment. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote, that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. In this portion of scripture, they had someone who had come in and hurt the church. Try hurting the apostle Paul, try hurting people. I mean, it happens. It happens in churches, things, things occur. I mean, you know that there's no such thing as a perfect church. And, and what the scripture is saying here is that Paul is writing and saying, you know, exercise your faith and see how much God you have by forgiving. Rather that you would forgive this person so the godly sorrow can come into their life and they can be blessed and they can be saved. So I beg you, verse 8, to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that, you may t that I might test you and you may know whether you're obedient in everything. Verse 10, anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. In other words, I'm behind you. I'm helping you. Whatever you choose, I'll choose with you, and I, I'm going to support you. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if you have forgiven anything, has been for the sake, for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that, so that we would not be outwitted, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his designs or plans or schemes. We're not ignorant of it. So what he's essentially trying to tell them, he's trying to expose a tactic in a plan. The sermon today is not about unforgiveness, but we're using this portion of scripture to reference how the enemy, how, how hell, how the world can try to provoke you, the church, to pay attention to small things in your life that would distract you from the bigger picture. And Paul said, listen, just, just forgive. It's not worth it. Show the love of God and don't fall into Satan's trap. Don't fall into it, but be strong in Christ Jesus because you were born to win. Because you were born to win. So we're going to be talking about winning today. And we're going to do it as fast as we can, as simple as we can, and as effective as we can with God's help. Will you pray for the service right now? Here's your responsibility. Will you participate and pray right now that God would just touch me and give me the right words? You don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from the anointing. You want to hear from the Holy Spirit. Quite honestly, I want to hear from him. So, Lord Jesus, let my words be your words. Let my thoughts be your thoughts. Let my creative side of who I am, God, be used for your presence and your glory and Lord let every person in this building receive what they need today Lord let every person remember the words that are shared today and when they walk out God let it fall into good ground in this building so when they walk out there God that no foul would come and steal it that no thorn and thistle would choke it 
that God, it would be nurtured and embraced and grow and bring back God 30, 60, and 100 fold in their life. We pray today, your word prosper in Jesus' name. And somebody say, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And you can be seated. Turn around to somebody and just look at them while you're seated and tell them you're a winner. Yeah. And say it in Spanish. You're a winner. <laughs> By the way, our, um, we are going to full English services for both services, 8.30 and 10.30, because we have decided that the best way to kind of reach out to our Latino community right now is by getting equipment that our translators can work with for now at this stage, and uh, we're going to be having that. I'm meeting with someone this Thursday to discuss the equipment. They're giving us a tremendous discount on it. And so uh, Spanish translations will be available every single service, but they will both be in English. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come to the 830 service if you like to come early. It's all in English, and, and so we're excited about that again. So we thank God for that. Knowledge is, is powerful, right? Knowledge is powerful. Knowledge is really knowing what someone else knows or knowing and understanding what exists already. That's what knowledge is. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is not knowing what to do, but then God giving you insight to know how to do it. So we know the difference between wisdom and knowledge, right? So, so knowledge is, is really key in, in living for God. But ignorance is a tool. Ignorance is a tool. This, in fact, one of Satan's greatest tactics is, is really to leave you and help you remain ignorant. To not know and understand God's word and what the Bible says. You know, the Bible is the only book written where the author is present with you all the time when you read it. And to feel the presence of God requires communication, Right? So if we are trying to gain more knowledge but, want but really want to understand the depths of it, we have to have someone in there help us understand it. In fact, in one of the scriptures in the book of Acts, Philip the evangelist came in and saw an Ethiopian eunuch who was traveling, and the Ethiopian was reading out of Isaiah. And out of that portion of Isaiah, he said that it was a lamb taken to the slaughter. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. He, knew, he was reading the word, and then Philip ran to him and said, do you understand what you read? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, he said, how can I accept a man explain it to me? And so Philip jumped in with him on the carriage ride, and he began to teach him and explain to him. And, and uh, something miraculous happened that day and when you're reading the Bible that Philip actually uh, taught him. And then he said, look, there's water. They came to a body of water. And, and then there, the Ethiopian uh, was baptized. And the Bible says that when Philip took him into the water, that Philip disappeared immediately and was translated back to the city he was supposed to be in. And the Ethiopian was left there in the presence of God. Let's see, knowledge brought that experience. Knowledge and hunger for it. What's amazing to me was is that to me in the story, is that the Ethiopian had no idea that God had positioned a man to meet him on that journey. And just simply having a hunger for God's word 
brought someone to help him understand. The key to having knowledge and understanding is hunger, inquiring. You don't have to be educated or go to Bible college to, to gain knowledge in Christ. And I mean, the apostles were uneducated men, but the Scripture says they perceived that they had been with Jesus. So spending time with God is key. Spending time with Him is key. But to have a full understanding and a knowledge is, really requires just a committed mind, a focused heart, one that desires to grab knowledge and hear what the Spirit of God is saying, to let God begin to teach you how and let knowledge begin to help you. Listen to what Isaiah 5 and 13 said. Isaiah 5 and 13 said that, Therefore, my people go into exile for lack of knowledge. My people go into exile for lack of knowledge. Isn't it a hunger for God's word that kind of leads us into God's reading God's word? How many of you enjoy God's word more when you have a hunger for it? Raise your hand. Now, how many of you will be honest with me? You don't have to raise your hand, but just, just hear me out. How many of you have many times you've read the Bible out of discipline, not desire? Many times, right? And so lots of times it's the Holy Spirit that has to be stirred inside of you to create a desire to want to read that, and then good ground is available for you to digest knowledge and to hold the knowledge. If you do it out of discipline and not do it out of passion or desire, then sometimes that knowledge will land on hard ground. But to, to obtain knowledge requires a passion and a desire and a care and a relationship. So what the devil would love to do in our lives is try to take our our mind and our attention off of everything and put other desires there to choke out the Word of God. And knowledge becomes beneficial to us when our heart is there. But, but if we don't have a hunger for God, then we won't try to obtain knowledge from God, and that's where we get defeated, through knowledge. Listen to uh, Hosea 4 and 6. Hosea 4 and 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of what? are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's, it's so important to know and understand. We just, got my, we just got me a podcast set up. We're fixing to launch it. We've been trying to do this for a long time, but it's called Grounded. And we're going to go and teach on subjects that are relevant for the church to understand, to have knowledge, understand why we do what we do. You have to have a basic knowledge of why you go to church. Salvation is so important to understand, to have, to have faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and know that when you've repented of your sins and you've accepted Christ into your life, that you have begun to become covered by the blood and that you can keep going to the cross to be covered by the blood and, and to be walking in his mercy, but to but to be water baptized and to go into covenant with God, now you have taken on the name of Christ. You're baptized into a body, and you're now uh, declaring your salvation to the world. And it's part of the born-again process. When you are baptized in the Spirit, it's because of knowledge. It's, it's, it's knowing and understanding that God has more for us. Listen, God is so big. God is so mighty and so wide. He... The world, you know, he formed everything. And to think that this God who is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent is everywhere, to think that we have arrived is a false 
It's false knowledge. Because God is so big. We're still growing. We're still developing. If you ever feel like you've arrived, then you're, you're going to stunt your growth. And you will cease to get knowledge. You'll cease from it. So, God's people were destroyed for lack of knowledge. Then, isn't this what happened in, in the New Testament when Jesus came? They had a lot of knowledge, but they, missed, they didn't have understanding. They all knew that Messiah was coming, but they thought he would come in a different form, in a different fashion. They thought his agenda would be their agenda. He had a different plan. He had a different play. He came in the form of a servant. He came as a baby, born of a virgin. He thought, they thought, that he would come and destroy the Roman Empire to release them from the tyranny of a government when he ultimately came to set them free from themselves and their sins. They lacked knowledge. And so when he came, the scripture says, he came into his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he became, they became the sons of God, not by the will of man, not by blood, but by the Spirit of God, but by God. Knowledge is everything. Knowledge is everything. So this is what we're talking about today. Where is the true playing field? Where does it, where does it start from? Let me draw you a picture. There you go, Johnny. Oh, here's me, Johnny. Anyhow, where is the, where is the true playing field in our life? What is, what is, where does the enemy and where does the world want to be and dominate? Right here. Right in the mind. And this is where God's people are truly defeated, right here. This is the very place in our life, I know this isn't proper formation. All you guys that are going to throw the yellow flags at me and blow the whistles. This is exactly where everything takes place. It's where hell tries to take the knowledge. Now... I don't want to keep saying the devil and keep using hell, but again, Paul even wrote, you can't be ignorant of his devices. Whether you like it or not, you're still a player on God's team. It's okay. Keep on going louder, louder. Not for me, but for him. Give him some praise. You're a player on God's team. For those of you who never felt like you got picked, listen, he picked you when you were poor at playing life, doing life, but he picked you anyways and said, I can use them. God takes the weak things and makes them mighty. God takes the foolish things and makes them wise. God chooses us. I didn't have it all together. You didn't have it all together, but God was so merciful to us. But it took someone sharing it with you like the Ethiopian eunuch. 
And it took an apostle Paul to come in and tell somebody, don't be ignorant of what the enemy or the opposing team wants to do. The whole objective in today's Super Bowl is to keep the other team from scoring and for, to make sure that your team scores or their team scores, the opposing team. Both teams have the same mindset. The same mindset is on both teams. One team is supposed to score and keep this team from scoring. And this team, the same rally goes on, the same kind of motivations going on in the locker room today. And the same word is don't let them score and don't let them get any yards and just make sure we make all the plays, the right ones. It's the same message for both sides. Did you know that in the kingdom of God, that the edge that we have is this, that Satan cannot touch God. So he tries to mess with you. The closest thing to God are his children because we are in the image of God through Christ Jesus, right? Are you a son of God or not? Are, are you, have you been forgiven or not? Do you love the name of Jesus and accepted that in your life? So whether you like it or not, you're on the team. And whether you like it or not, you're, you think that you might be winning, but maybe there's more yards and more field for you to have and, 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 and recover and more things that God wants for you. But to truly win, you have to learn how to receive instruction. This is key. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I want to help you understand something. Look at James chapter 3, verse 15 and 18. James chapter 3, verse 15 and 18 says, that when this wisdom talks about an earthly wisdom, I'll mention to you that a knowledge that doesn't come from us, a knowledge that will try, a wisdom that tries to provoke you based on these attributes. Listen to this. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, right? It is earthly. Right here. Unspiritual. It's demonic. That means it is inspired by a devil. Now, some of you may now some of you may be thinking, oh, I don't want to see a devil. You're not going to see a devil. But sometimes you don't even know, because you're on the winning side, because you have Jesus in your life, you can experience emotions and thoughts and feelings that will try to play games with your thinking to cause you to go into depression, to cause you to have fear, cause you to feel like you're not worth anything. or You just look at yourself like, like, who am I? God loves me? God died for me? Yes, he did. And everything and every decision that you make will be based on feelings and emotions. And and it just doesn't come from God. It's not spiritual. It's carnal. It's earthly. It's worldly. It's, it's based on the world's concept of what's right and what's wrong. If all your knowledge and education comes from Facebook, <laughs> hmm. I remember one time my pastor called me up and he said, man, did you hear now, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. Back in the day, I was raised in a church 
and they didn't let you watch television. You couldn't have television in your home. If you have a television in your home, you were, you were backslid. Some of you, are, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Back in the old days, I'm telling you right now, back in the day, if you, they caught you at the movies, you were backslid. You couldn't eat at a restaurant that had a bar in it. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Even if it was just in the center, far away from your table, oh my God, they went to that restaurant, they saw alcohol there. Pray for them. Pray for them. They went into the movies. Oh my God, they, they, they have a TV in their home, wonder what they're watching. I was raised back in that, those kind of those kind of days. It was crazy. And, and so when we, when we started to, to really realize that a relationship with God is based on uh, a, a, a holiness and a purity with God was based on relationship and that we didn't have the flags thrown on us based on, based on you know, everything we did. It was based on what God only saw in our hearts. And so everything in our life was based on what other people thought and a knowledge, based on other people's opinions and peer pressure. That's what religion is. Religion is peer pressure. And you don't live for God based on what you think is right from the Holy Spirit. You're not living for God based on what you think religion ought to tell you to do. But this was never meant to be religious. It was always meant to be relational. Always relational. And so when we feel like we try to do it our own way, but according to the world standard, we'll take advice from, from everybody, and we'll start, we'll start trying to figure it out on our own, and we'll go to social media, and we'll jump on the bandwagon on what everyone's saying about the president, and what's everybody saying about, the, about global warming, and what everybody's saying about the economy, and we're fixing to crash, and and then you'll base everything off of fear, and then you'll base everything off of feelings, a carnal perspective, what the world is saying. And then you'll, you'll start to live off of every moment. Did you hear this prophet? He said the world's going to end on this day. Nobody knows when the Lord is coming back, folks. And, and, and you cannot get your knowledge. Listen, it's good to be informed, okay? Now, don't look at me like I don't have a television. I got a television, trust me. And just to kind of, just so you won't think that I am religious, I got Netflix, I got YouTube, I got the whole works. Except HBO and all that junk, I ain't got none of that. Now you think I'm being judgmental because you got it, but anyhow. But what I am saying is, is that in the world, we start getting information, and this is exactly what hell wants to use to mess with your mind. But whenever the Spirit of God begins to talk to us, go throw James 5 back up there. When James 5 says also that for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and vile practice. Throw up James 5 again, please. And vile practice. But the wisdom, but the wisdom from above is first pure. What's this? It's first pure. The wisdom that God gives you, it's peaceable. The wisdom that God gives you is gentle, open to reason. 
That means it can be reasoned with and talked to. That means that you can be instructed by God and you'll receive it. It's full of mercy. It's got good fruits and it's impartial. It's sincere. It's open. But listen to this. And a harvest, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace to those who make peace. And the Apostle Paul was trying to tell him, don't go by what everyone else's standard may be, but raise a standard and let God begin to work in your life and listen to the voice of God. Forgive them. Stay in connection with God because this is what happens. The more we give in to the wrong voices, it's the team here that begins to win. This represents the carnal side of our nature. This represents the carnal side right here, this team. That's carnality. I'm going fast. Here, right here, this represents the spirit man. We'll just put SM. That's the spirit man. And how you win in life is based on what instruction you allow and what leverage you give on what side of the team. Number one, let me give you some plays, just two plays that will help you win. Here are two keys that will help you win. The first play is called the draw. The draw. What is the draw in football? Here's the draw in football. The draw is whenever you are going up and you're facing the opponent team, the opposite team, and you're, you're fixing to make the play. So you tell your guys, we're going to do a draw. And that means that they will walk up and they will position themselves and they will all move back just a little bit here, just a little bit there. And the centers are in the quarterbacks right there. And, and so whenever this guy tells them that we're doing a draw, I want you to act like we're going to throw the ball. And then what actually happens is they all position themselves like they're fixing to throw the ball and they protect him. Like, and he falls back. But when he does that, the other team goes all out because they think they're going to throw a pass. So they got rid of some guys. Then what he actually does, he hands the ball to the person behind him. And that person goes right through. And he pushes right through. And that's called a draw. It's faking them out. But this is, this is what enables him to kind of go through, is that the team just took others away and allowed him to do his job and face the opponent head on. What I call this in the kingdom, in the church world, is when you walk with full knowledge and authority, when you have learned not to respond to the world or to your trouble or to your circumstances, and you... You know, hell doesn't know every single thing, thought that you're making except through action. Except through action. Out of your mouth, out of your mouth, will all of this begin to result. And so when hell sees you taking action, the worst thing you can do when you're in the middle of trouble and you're going through something is respond to it out of fear and anxiety and, and, and start to do something uh, contrary to what God says. But when you are quiet and you hold your peace, the devil doesn't know what you're doing. But whenever you feel that authority rise up inside of you, 
You, it's because you went back from it a little bit. Are you with me? You went back from the circumstance and you waited on God. And you're waiting for your help that's behind you. How many of you know that God is backing you up? Come on, how many of you know that God is backing you up? And he's going to cause you to run right through. But it's knowledge. Knowledge that enables this. Have even, even Isaiah said it like this. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting Father... The creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary, for there is no searching of his understanding. So much knowledge. You can take a book about God and read it every day and never come to the end of his knowledge. There are so many things that God knows and so much knowledge that's there. But they that wait upon the Lord, back up. Here's the draw. You back up. And when you learn to back up, you wait for a moment and let the angels of God do their bidding. Let the spiritual world begin to take over. And when God gives you the strength to run, he gives you authority in your life to face the devil head on. And you go straight through this is why David said when he felt God's presence, he felt like he could run through a troop and jump over a wall. He said the Lord made his feet like hind's feet, like a doe, like a deer, agile, just kind of hopping through the mountainside. And it doesn't matter, you know, what the level is. The plane doesn't have to be level, but you just quick, knowing where you go, knowing every step. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You know, every step you need to take, but you cannot respond quickly to a circumstance based off of emotion. If you do, then you're making the wrong decision, and then you'll go out of play. But if you back up, fake out, fake them out. Wait on the Lord. He'll renew your strength. He'll send you back up. And he'll let you go through, right through the line. Right through the line. You can win if you don't jump the gun. Don't respond. Let the Spirit control you. He, here's a second play. Here's a second play that will help you win. It's called the audible. The audible. How many of you guys know what this play is? It's an audible. How many of you have heard that before? Okay. An audible, it's whenever the quarterback, now, ladies, the quarterback is the guy that throws the ball. I'm just joking. I know most of you know what the quarterback is. But this guy, this guy has the privilege when he, after breaking out from the huddle with everybody around there, and they get in their positions. When he gets up here and sees the enemy of the ally or the, uh, the opposing team, and he sees them formating in a different play that they didn't expect, he has the privilege of when he gets right here to change the play. And they give him code words. And he gives them the signal, says a certain word, and they know what the code is, and they change the play in the last minute. 
because their play that they just had in the huddle, that play, you know, it was part of their plan. But then they get up there, and he has to go by intuition and go by instinct. And he's been given the privilege to play, make the change right there. We call it the audible. It changes everything. Then those guys have to reposition. They do something else, and the team is caught off guard, and then it gives them leverage. You know, it's kind of unfair, but, it's, uh, but I'm glad it is. Because in the kingdom of God, did you know that God even knows the thoughts and the plays of the opposing side? Did you know that? In the kingdom, now hell doesn't know every plan that God has for you because he just ain't that smart. But God knows every plan and every tactic that the enemy is planning, and he can give you an insight right when you're trying to make decisions in your life and cause you to change it at any time. This is when the Spirit of God, when you have a plan, and how many of you had plans before and then God told you to change that plan? And how many of you had to change a plan the last minute with with people judging you and saying, oh my God, they can't make up their mind? And you had to go through the pride, you had to go through all of that, that criticism and, you know, but what you were really doing, you were obeying God. You were obeying God. The last minute, you, it's all about listening to him because he knows what's going on over here. He wants to see how obedient you'll be. Sometimes God waits to the last minute to tell you so you can trust, learn to trust him and learn the voice. You remember when Jesus was born and he went and they were going into to, to, to Bethlehem and, and before he can, you know, they were going back into the, the travel and they were, they were simply just heading there to celebrate the birth and go back to take care of their business. And God spoke to him and said, now you need to go to Egypt. Then he said, okay, now the time is at hand and you can go, uh, everything's good now. I mean, go ahead and go back. Herod's dead. And midway through traveling, the Lord said, wait a minute, his son is alive. Herod Jr.'s up. He's alive and he hates the child and he's going to try to take his life. So go to Nazareth. And they stayed in Nazareth for almost 12 years. And then they have to go back after that. But, you know, you would think, why didn't God tell them from the beginning, just go straight to Nazareth? Right? And then the scripture would be fulfilled, he would be called a Nazarene. But here's why he followed through with that process. Because the plan said that I'll bring my son out of Egypt. I will bring my son. Speaking of Israel, but that was a prophetic message to the New Testament that God would bring Jesus out of Egypt also. That's a deeper message right there. I don't know if you're hanging with me or not. You see, that was all part of the plan. It looked like Joseph was kind of like, I don't know what to do. We're going to go here. No, we're going to go here. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go back to that. It doesn't even, it looks like it's confusing, but if if you don't know the plan that God had, Joseph was the one that was receiving the play. He was the quarterback, if you will, and God was speaking to him. And in the process of him going through, he changed it right in the middle of the play to go to Nazareth. That's what God does. I'll never forget, uh, years ago, had a lady come into the church. She had prayed before she got here. She wanted to know, is this the real, is this the real church? Her prayer was, God, tell me if this guy, uh, referring to me, if this guy is the real deal. 
of this is the right church for me. And so she fleeced God. You know what fleecing is? It's when you tell God, uh, if this is you, then do this. Now, I don't fleece God. I mean, I really don't. There's very few times I'll do that. I mean, if I'm just unsure or something, you know, I may say, God, would you just kind of confirm it to you? But this lady said, if this, guy is, if this guy's a pastor, if he's the one, if this is the church, then, then Lord, I want you to call, I want you to uh, make him do a prayer line. You know what a prayer line is? How many of you grew up in church where you showed up at church and the pastor said, we're going to do a prayer line tonight. That's when everybody who's sick gets in a line and you go one by one and pastor and ministers begin to pray for you and lay hands on you, spit on you, push you, knock you down and kick you, whatever it takes to get the devil out and cause that healing to take place. How many of you understand what the prayer line is? You've been there before? Well, she said, if this is real, then let him do that. I had a great sermon that night. I got up here. I was so excited about it. I was so excited. No, I think it was, yeah, it was night. It was a Wednesday night. And I was so excited about it. And I got up there and I said, you know, just fixing to say, I have a great sermon for you. But right when I stepped up to the line, Spirit of God spoke to me and said, that's not the play you're going to play. I know you had it planned out. I know you felt my presence while you were preparing it. But something has changed because someone joined the team. Or that's how God does in a spirit-filled church. I can preach the same message at 8.30 in the 8.30 service, but the crowd changes and different needs come up. And based on people's desire to be here, they win the battle in their mind that they're having at home and actually come to church. And God has a message for them, so he'll speak to me and change everything completely. He could have did it beforehand, but he wants us to know that it's more important to be obedient than to sacrifice. So I stepped up there that night, and I said, folks, everybody, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. And I had new people there. We had new families. I was like, oh, God, you know, we used to do this back in the day, and now I've got brand new families that don't understand this. You've got to understand my perspective. You know, you don't want to freak people out. Because when we pray for people and pray in line, sometimes they just let that shakapoko shapakata come out or whatever it takes. Right? You let the spirit go, man. Now, and I, I wasn't actually speaking in tongues. I would just kind of give an example. Okay. But the Lord said, do a prayer line. I said, guys, the Lord just spoke to me and said, we need to do a prayer line tonight. I want all of you to line up right over here. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to step in line, and we're going to pray for you one at a time. And we did that. After service, that young lady came up to me. She said, Pastor, she said, I asked the Lord if you're the real deal or if this church is the right one, that he would give me a sign and said, Lord, let him do a prayer line tonight. And God changed it. But what if, what if, and that did her family a lot of good. And, and what if we would have just been stuck on schedules and agendas and, and this is the way we're going to do it. And stubborn, stubborn. And just say, no, because this is the way we do it. You have to change it up and obey God. It's like, it's like the story of, of, of mom. When mom was making meatloaf, she always made meatloaf, and the pan was about this big, but she only made the meatloaf this big. And then, then the daughter comes up to her and says, mom, 
why do you always make the meatloaf smaller than the pan? And she goes, I don't know. That's the way your, that's the way your grandmother did it. Go ask her. So she went to grandma and said, Grandma, how come you're always making meatloaf half of the pan? It's just smaller than the pan. Because that's the way my mama did it. So great-grandma was still alive. And, and great-grandma finally, when they went to her and asked her, great-grandma, how come you make the meatloaf only half the pan? She goes, I never make the meatloaf half the pan. When I was growing up, that was as big as the pan was. Y'all just kept on making it the same size. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're following things because somebody else did it, or you're basing it off of tradition, or you're, you're stuck in a mold, but you have to get outside the mold. Let the Spirit of God break your traditions. Let the Spirit of God begin to teach you how to do things. Be open-minded. Always be open-minded towards God and the things of God. Don't, don't discredit speaking in tongues because you've never experienced that. Go to the Bible. Go to prayer. Ask God sincerely. If you don't understand baptism, go to God. Pray sincerely because God will give you direction and God will speak to you. You can hear from God. You can hear from God. God does speak today. God speaks according to his word. God speaks according to his will. God speaks according to the purpose he has for your life. And when God does it, he directs you in the right place. Always be sensitive to God's, and you have to learn how to blot out and, and cancel out the chatter. All the chatter. You know how tough it is? You ever watch a football game and them guys are there and the crowd is just roaring and, and, the, and the players are going like, keep it down, keep it down. I can't hear anything. They're not trying to act like they're flying. They're telling everybody, quiet, quiet, and they try because they can't converse because it's so loud. Hundreds of thousands of people are going, ah, and they're not doing that, but they're saying, cheering, saying something else. It's all white noise. And it's so loud. In the kingdom, you have to learn to give ear to the inner voice. And no matter how loud the noise is, you have to hear the still, small voice of God. But not allowing everything that's coming into your ears to distract you from what the Spirit of God is saying. And how you do that is you have to give all of your attention and give all of your affection and give all of your care to the right voice that you are accustomed to hearing and not worried about the other voices that are coming in. And when you have done that, the authority that will come out of your mouth right here, the authority that will come out of your mouth, this is where your environment is changed. When you're, when you're winning in here, when you are winning in here, you will win out here. When you're winning, when the Spirit of God is winning in here, you will begin to see things change in your life around you. By what comes out of here. Does that make sense? So, so listen to this. Jesus walked in this world and he was effective. Come on, come on, guys. Jesus walked in this world and he was effective because he said it in John 14 and 10. Listen to this. He said, uh, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? 
the words that I speak, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. You know what he was saying there? He's saying, what you see coming out of my mouth. Every time Jesus walked in this world, the opposing team never could stop him from losing. Ever. Every demon he came across, he plowed right through them. Because he said, the words that I speak comes from the Father. And because I give in to that, Satan has nothing in me. I'm on the winning side because I'm on his side. And when I release what comes out of here, everything, all devils, here's where devils are messing with you. Devils are trying to come in, trying to give you false words, false emotions, false feelings. And everything here, your career is right here. Ah, I can't even write that way. Your career, your job. Everything. The reason why we don't see changes, we're not winning in our life, is because we're losing in here. But if you can let the Spirit of God help you win, He knows what the enemy's doing ahead of time. He gives you fair warning ahead of time. He lets your spirit know ahead of time. He gives you the authority and the confidence to face life. And to dream big. To see your entire family blessed of God. When you, listen, the most effective thing you can do in this life is effectively hand the baton to the next generation. That baton represents your values. Because when your families are passing down tradition and values, Based on God's word, whatever kept your marriage strong in your life is going to keep their marriage strong in theirs. Whatever caused you to be blessed in your life because of God's principle will be handed to them. They'll talk to them. The best thing you can do to all of your children, I'm going to tell you what the best thing you can hand down to your children, it is not money. It's a blessing to do that. But the best thing you can do is hand them principles that give them connected to spiritual riches teach them how to pray teach them how to stay connected to god's word teach them how to walk in authority teach them how if you love your children and you're gonna and you love you're thinking ahead and you're gonna you want to be there for your grandchildren how you can be there for your great great grandchildren is hand down principles to your children now and watch them win also in life I was talking to a business partner of mine yesterday, and I was telling him, man, I said, you know, you, you, you see me now. I'm a pastor now, and God's allowed me to do this, and I'm very humbled and very thankful. But I wasn't always, the, we, my family wasn't always a, what you see right now. I said, I came from the nightclub business. I said, I had relationship with people that you probably wouldn't have relationships with. I was involved in drugs and we knew a lot of the mafias. I wasn't raised in church. I just but I am but I'm the first pastor in my family. And from this point on, 
my children will inherit the new legacy. So God intervened, and now I'm part of his family. Now I have a chance to leave a better legacy. But if I want to see my children win, I have to be winning up here. I have to be winning up here all the time. I have to be listening to his direction. I have to get the plays from the playbook, from the word of God. I have to keep on doing what God's called me to do. Even if it means to change it and to be obedient, it's okay. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But I want to win and I want my children to win too. I'm even glad you're on the winning side. I'm glad I'm on the winning side. Let me, let me ask you a question. Did, did this help you today? What, did, how many of you enjoyed watching this? Can I, you want me to do this more to help you? Somebody give me an amen or a yes. Okay. I want to help you. And I know some of us are visual learners. And so what I really want to do is just simply give God all the glory and all the praise and us to be worshipers of Jesus Christ. And he wants you to win because he's always winning. He wants you to win. And winning does not mean, winning does not mean that you accomplish your goals and your dreams in life. Winning means that we are letting God's will be done in the earth. And when you let God win in your life, you will always win. That, do you understand what I just said? It's not about you winning. It's about God, Christ winning through you. And if you'll let God, if you fulfill his dreams, he'll fulfill yours and take care of yours. Take care of God's business, he'll take care of your business. Take care of God's family, he'll take care of your family. Vice versa, everything is tied into God. If you listen to his way and trust him in all his ways and acknowledge him in all his ways, he will make sure he directs you in the right path and you will always come out ahead in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that he's a winner? He's a, come on, stand to your our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.